Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. And today we have a special guest with us, uh, Mr. Barry Niccolo, joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia. He is an author, a accomplished author, and a coach, but he's going to tell us why he doesn't like the moniker of coach. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, Len. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be in this space with you. Yeah. So let, let's before we got, go into the coach thing, uh, I want to mm. find out a little bit more about you. Uh, where where did, were you born? Where did you grow up? Oh, okay. So born in Sydney, Australia, um, inherently Greek descent. Uh, so parents left... Um, Cyprus in 1974. Um, there was an invasion from the north. The Turkish came south into Cyprus, took half the island, and mum and dad uh, left Cyprus and came to either, it was either Canada or Australia. So the boat was leaving for Australia back then. <laughs> and uh, Sydney, Australia is where we set up camp um, to, to live our new life. Um, and, you know, Barry is not a very Greek name, if you've noticed, Len. Um, you know, usually the Greeks are Peters and Cons and Nicks. And, and I'm like, Mum, where did you get Barry from? And she says, oh, we wanted to kind of Anglo you. We wanted to get you used to the, <laughs> the Western side of the world. So I'm like, mm, okay, I think you could have gone with better than Barry. But anyway, all good. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, so I grew up with uh, some, my friends were, uh, I, I'm Lithuanian. 
And uh, yeah, I was actually yeah. born in Lithuania, but my friends were like Russian, Italian, yeah. and Greek. So every single time we go to my Greek friends, it's yeah. John, Nick, Nick, John, Nick. Doc, who's a nickname, who's, I think his name was really Nick, but they call yeah. him Doc. And then we have to do uh, a shot of Sambuca before we go out. That's oh, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 beautiful, and it's interesting in Australia. Like you do gravitate towards the same nationality. Like when you're in school, you kind of look at the Greeks and the Italians used to hang out, and the Aussies here used yeah. to hang out. Um, so you kind of did gravitate. But Australia is very multicultural in that sense. Like at being an adult now, you got friends of all nationalities and all religions and all persuasions. It just you end up understanding that there's a commonality um, <clears throat> that transcends a lot of ideologies that are fixed in certain genres. So yeah. either, you know, you're a Christian and you're a Greek Christian or you're a, you're an American and you're an atheist, uh, uh, you know, like you, you don't believe in anything. So you think um, you kind of, as you get older, I don't know about you, Len, but I'm definitely, uh, those titles, those labels don't mean as much. We all have the same understandings of wanting to receive love and wanting to give love and wanting to be in a space of belonging. Um, yeah. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. I, I think it's very dangerous, uh, but it's also fundamentalism, right? So it's, it's yeah. the extreme yeah. rights and the extreme lefts. And we talk about these religions yeah. and all that stuff, but if you really, yeah. so I, I had a, when I was in, in uh, university, I, I had this class called intellectual heritage. And what mm. this class was, you read the Old Testament, you read the New Testament, yeah. you read Job, yeah. you read Marx, you read the Quran, you, you read mm. uh, all, all these different philosophical and religious books. And I am mm. starting to think, man, all these things have a lot of commonality to them. So I'm not understanding why we have such, uh, you know, such disparity between us, because the golden rule is basically practiced across the board in every religion, you know, do you on to others as you would do uh, to mm, yourself kind mm, of thing. Mm, it's across mm. the board. It's a common thread. So when people, I think, grab onto that one thing, oh, it's this, and they stick to that, they're really, mm. they're really trying to accommodate their own concerns and fears and using that Absolutely. as a trigger to connect to. So that's Absolutely. You know, and it's, and it's really interesting. You're spot on. It's, it's, you know what's really interesting, Len, as I kind of go down this path and, you know, I've been on, I think, 30 podcasts this year, there's another 20 coming up before Christmas. I find that the people that I'm connecting with, and you're one of them, is is really a vibrational and and, and match to to who I'm becoming and, and, and who I am. And I don't know if it's the same with you. And I think what happens to a great degree is that life, you know, we say like attracts like in many respects. But um, people, I find that angry people are together. Smokers are usually together. People that think positively and try to transcend their emotions are usually together. It's almost like like life clusters like-mindedness together because together you can sing louder as a chorus than you can as an individual. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. It's like it's, there's this unseen force, and this is kind of the work that I'm delving into in my next book, is that there's this unseen uh, gravitational field, if you want to call it that, and science is now back in this, which is unseen by the human eyes, but is is uh, almost like a frequency that you put out into the world, and all of a sudden, the people that hear that frequency um, um, come to that um, calling, and it's like it's so it's so fundamentally beautiful because yeah. because the universe is putting all these beautiful frequencies together, and then we're singing the same song. 
And and it's it, the, I guess the the part that really sucks is that there's no bias in that frequency. So the people that wish bad on others, or the people that start wars, or the people that you know have this array of negative emotions that they transmit onto other people, um, they also cluster together, so they get louder as well. So it's not like it's just the good, right? So then so then you got to kind of yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, I guess, but it's just more about understanding that that. If you're of a specific mindset and you've got a specific outlook on life, you'll find that your top five or ten people in your world will will more or less be of the same um, value. Yeah, and no, I completely agree with you. And, it, and I've done a little bit of work uh, in uh, sort of looking at these uh, different frequencies and how do we attract different people. Uh, you know, there's this, this book, The Secret, right? And yes, of course. Every, everybody, everybody, you know, gravitated to The Secret, and you have. The Oprah Winfrey generation that were sitting there, these ladies that, you know, were sitting there and they were saying, I read The Secret and nothing against Oprah and and nothing Mm -hmm. against anybody. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. they sit there and they think, okay, all I have to do is think and it's going to manifest. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. all this money is going to fly into my window and I'm going to be healthy, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to sit here on the couch and all I have to do is manifest it. But it's missing. Like you have to take action. And there is... There is some uh, science behind this whole thing with uh, frequency. I I mean, Dr. Joe Dispenza is doing a lot of work Mm -hmm. to sort Mm -hmm. of uh, prove some of that out. But uh, even Mm -hmm. Einstein worked on this. So what he was doing. You just. Yeah, yeah, go, 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 go. Well, I I was just saying we can. What I was just saying that the the work that he was looking at is uh, actual measurement of frequencies, yes. the magnetic uh, magnetic properties of those frequencies. Absolutely. So it's, Absolutely. It, and it, you, we experience this every day and you, you hit the nail on the head. Like I, I'm walking down the street after I go to the gym and I have mm-hmm. a smile on my face mm-hmm. and people are smiling back and you're like, you're attractive. And I'm not saying I'm a, like, you're, phys- you're just energetically on, you're yeah. vibrating at a frequency that's you're a high meeting. frequency. Exactly. Yeah. And you can measure yeah. the high frequency and that yes, high frequency attracts yeah. other high frequencies. But as you said, that low frequency vibration also attracts low frequency. Like misery loves company. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does. And and you know the interesting thing, Len. Um, you know, um, I was born Christian, right? Like my my roots are Christian roots, and I still I still have a very very strong Christian. Um, like I believe Christ is the epitome of what love is incarnated into a man, right? And I I think of Christ, and he taught you know like. It's interesting, a parable that I've, I've, I've always fallen in love with, and he taught this 2,000 years ago. And it's interesting because the name of my new book is called Move the Mountain, and it's taken from a parable of Christ, which is, you know, if you have the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to that mountain, move from here to there, and it will do it. Like he was he was talking about the power of faith and belief, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we have a situation in the world today where people still don't believe and they want a quick fix. They yep. want instant gratification and instant manifestation. And what you end up realizing is a very high truth, which is you don't necessarily attract what you want, you, but you definitely attract who you are as a person. What a, what a beautiful but, way of saying that. I completely concur with you uh, on that. I, it makes total sense. And it's crazy. Like you mentioned Einstein and the reason I'm sorry for jumping in. I just, one of my talks in Sydney. So I was talking a few months ago to a crowd of about 500 people and we were talking about the law of attraction and how essentially it works from a scientific point of view. Um, And I, I always start the talk with Einstein and it's really funny. You mentioned him because he kind of postulated this 
philosophical question and and not many people know this question and it's probably the most famous um, or the most infamous Einstein quote that you can consider because unless you answer this question, you have no real bearing on where you're going in life. And Einstein postulated, he said, what did he say? He said, the most important question that every human being must answer, like that you must answer this question, right, is whether you believe you live in a toxic universe or whether you believe you live in a friendly universe, right? Yeah. And, and you, you, you consider yourself at dinner, Len, and you consider there's six people to your left and there's six people to your right. And the six people to your left say, well, Barry, I believe the world's a toxic place. And here's the reasons why. You know, they mentioned COVID, the war in Ukraine, the way that, you know, the economies in the world right now are in the toilet. You've got, you know, you've got people that are dying from cancer. You've got marriages that are falling apart. And, you, and they talk about all the ways that the world is going south. And then on the right, you've got the people that are saying, well, Barry, I don't know if I agree with that. I think the world is a friendly place. And then they give you their reasonings, right? And they go, well, I know marriages that are getting back together and I know babies that are beating cancer and I know families that are trying again and I know countries that are actually having a talk back at the negotiating table and sort of firing missiles at each other. I know that those things are happening as well. And then you ask yourself, you think, well, who's right and who's wrong here? And you realise something very profound which is that they're both correct mm -hmm. and they're both living experiences based on what their beliefs are, right? So then you look at the individual and we go out into the world and we have our likes and dislikes and, 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 and um, situations that hurt us and situations that bring us joy. And then you go, well, where are all these coming from? And then you realise that expectation sets up experience. So it's... It's pretty wild. Like if you expect to be cut off in traffic, I've got one client now, right? He continually expects to be cut off in traffic. And I get a call every day, Len, about how a truck has cut him yeah. off. See, see what happened? See, it's exactly what I said it was going to happen. But how do you know you right. don't manifest that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and he's been doing it for 10 years. Like he's been cut off every day for 10 years. And and I'm trying to get him to understand. And then you realise another important truth, which is some people are not ready to grasp certain concepts yet, but they're on their way. Yeah. Like they are literally on their way, but they're not ready yet. So it's almost like I've come to a realisation, like you might have, Len, like you don't argue with fools anymore. Like you don't argue with people that are argumentative. You just send them a silent blessing. If two and two is five... I send them a silent blessing. I don't take out a calculator anymore. It's it's more about where you spend your energy, and the energy that I want to spend is in manifesting good. Yeah, so, it's yeah. it's what the, the social media, uh, mm. you know, what they started creating these uh, this these different. They're not even trying to change anybody's mind. They're just feeding the wolf, like they're feeding this side or they're feeding this side. If you want to see more about, you know, the right, they're going to feed you more yeah, of that. Yeah, there is a small yeah. percentage of people in the middle who are questioning, it, but I'm not sure this social media is really hitting them. And, and I mentioned the, the wolf thing. Uh, it's so, some similar to what you brought. You probably know the, the, the story. It's a native American story. I, I think Tony Robbins used to talk about the white and the, and the, the black wolf. And one of them yeah. represents love and everything that's good and great. And so I'll, I'll tell the story of it just in case the audience doesn't know, but you can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm kind of going from memory. So the story is, uh, 
this young boy is talking to uh, the chief of the tribe or his grandfather who was the chief of the Native American tribe. And mm. he's uh, telling him about the battle. Uh, there's two wolves. One of them is a white wolf that represents love and everything that's good in the world and uh, compassion, everything else. Uh, and the other one is a black wolf that represents hate and greed and all the negative things in the world. And they're going to have an epic fight. And they're fighting, and the 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 kid asked the you know the the leader of the tribe. He's like, "Well, which one wins?" And he's like, "Whichever one you feed." Mm-hmm. So you're feeding the wolf. That it's exactly what you were saying. So if your if your mindset is this is the negative thing that's always going to happen to me, well, you're mm-hmm. feeding that wolf, and guess what? That wolf is going to come back and give you more of the what you're feeding. And the other thing that you were talking about quotes. Uh, uh, so Voltaire. Uh, we're talking about like healing in, in medicine. Uh, the art of medicine consists uh, in amusing the patient while nature here uh, cures the disease. Voltaire mm. wrote that years ago. So, and I, I truly believe, and I've seen this over you know many many years of working with people who have conditions and diseases. Their mental state, what they believe, they feel they're going to give it all. They're going to win. They're going to beat it. This is. All the neurochemicals go into curing mode and and people who kind of give up, even though they may not be as serious in a position as somebody else is, um, Mm. then, you know, that manifests itself too. So I completely agree with you in in what you mentioned. Um, We started talking about, I brought up Tony Robbins stories, so it reminded me of of coaching. So tell me your uh, dislike for coaching. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's such a generic term. Um, you know, it's it's almost like when when you and I'm not speaking from inflation or from ego here, but when you're specialized in in doing what you do, and I'm quite specialized in doing what I do, uh, coaching ends up being such a generic general term, and and it just. I think it's probably the most overused term of the last twenty years because everyone feels like they're a coach right now, and and there are some good ones out there, and I I literally have seen people that just want to get paid and not really help anyone. Um, so so I think for me, um, you know, it's almost like when you're studying a specific part of medicine, you end up being, you know, not a GP anymore. And when you study a specific part of law, you become a barrister, you become a Queen's Counsel, whatever it is. And, you know, you become a specialist at something. And I think to just to say you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or whatever it is, I think that's a very generic term. And it's not even about the labels that I'm getting to. It's about um, because you feel so passionate about what you do and to be tied with a brush, that just ends up being a very generic brush but yeah I don't know it's been it's been it's been a little bit like it's been under my skin a bit going oh I don't know if I like that term but you know I guess it's the term that we relate to you know in helping other people find the potential within themselves yeah and to grow but I was quickly going to say um Len getting back to um you know people healing themselves um I was going to say like the placebo effect is probably the the biggest area that we can kind of look at from a scientific point of view and say well, you know what? People are healing themselves with a sugar pill. And and how on earth is that happening? And the research, I was on in New York last week with Dr. Susan Hoffman. She's sensational. She's a GP, but she actually wants to understand the neuroscience of subconscious belief. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Like as soon as a trusted authority tells you that you are going to heal and they put a pill in your hand, even before the pill, even when they write the prescription out, um, endorphins in your body start to go, okay, this thing is beatable, this thing is curable. Um, the doctor here with a white coat, the white coat represents authority and trust. 
And because they're giving me the white coat, the brain, the subconscious brain links a doctor with healing with I can beat this thing, right? And then you look at you look at people that heal from a from a sugar pill, and you think, well, how is it possible that fifty percent of a cluster can heal from something as simple as an inert substance like a sugar pill? And then the other half go, oh yeah, I've I've taken an active substance, and that's helped me as well. You know, there's been surgeries performed in the US, Len, where people have had knee replacements, right? And doctors have made an incision on the knee and not done any work just made an incision and stitched it up, people see the incision and then say they've got no pain. Yeah, there's been no work yeah done. you're absolutely right. And they took that experiment one step further. They actually filmed the video of another knee surgery, showed <laughs> the people that they're actually doing the surgery, and they came out and they're like, I'm all healed. And I saw it, and it wasn't even them. They just made the incision like you said and then actually yeah. do the work. You're absolutely right. It, it's, it's crazy. So then what are we, what are we doing? Like there's this, there's this, uh, and I guess um, it's very hard to stop the machine of thinking that it has, healing has to go down a certain path and abundance has to go down a certain path. I think if you are a naturally giving person that adds value to people's lives, now speaking about the holistic sense of wanting to live a good life, right? You know, if you're a person that gives from a sense of understanding and and love and and not necessarily a gender-based assistance, so not manipulative workings, and I think that's the way the world's going. It's, you know, if I help you, can you help me back? And there's this kind of thinking that goes down this road. And the problem with that is that you end up being a, you end up kind of being a very manipulative person because or you go around through life just wanting to um, uh, people to help you because you're helping them. So so for me, I haven't lived my life that way. I don't know about yourself. It's it's I don't want to be in a situation where I look like I'm being false or manipulative to anyone. Well, I, I don't think it's a fulfilling life anyway. Like uh, you know, I've I've had. I, I've went to see, and I've been a coach in my life too, uh, focusing yeah. specifically on ADD and ADHD as a superpower. So, like you know, but I, I've I've heard a lot of coaches uh, talk about this thing, and and just going going back to uh, what you were talking about with uh, uh, with the placebo effect. So, when the FDA does a clinical trial, they mm. there's about a twenty five percent efficacy that's actually chalked up to a placebo effect. So people believe in that. Uh, you need something over 30% efficacy in order for a drug to get past the FDA. If 25% of that is placebo, then what mm. is the drug really doing? And how long are the side effects? I had a, I had a gentleman on my show not too long ago uh, who was prescribed... Uh, benzodiazepines for ADHD and OCD. Now, benzodiazepines, first of all, are extremely, extremely difficult to get off. They're very, very addictive, uh, and they have a tremendous amount of side effects. One of the major side effects associated with them are suicidal thoughts. So you have somebody that's obsessive compulsive, that's uh, that's you know in, a, in an interesting uh, mood state. But it's taken this medication it's supposed to alleviate that, but the side effect of that medication is suicidal thoughts. So this person actually ended up using too many benzos, ODing twice, oh, and, oh. and then attempting suicide several times. Luckily, uh, they brought him back, and now he's uh, you know helping other people. 
and in, in, in going back to the helping other people, like there's a common theme with coaching mm. for for a certain so like even even I since I brought up Tony Robbins, one of the things that he said that you should not feel guilty about is feeling good by giving. So this is this is like if you're if you're hoping that somebody will give you something back, you're actually taken away from yourself. Because the, mm. the best thing am I am I selfish for wanting to give as much as possible? Because when I receive back, oh thank you, or this really helped me a lot, it makes me feel great. It's like a drug. I want more of that. So it makes me want to do more for people because it's coming back and saying, this helped me so much. Now I'm feeling better and I want to do more. So that's that's a kind of mindset, you know, in terms of, you know, I want something back, but I just want to feel good for myself because I'm helping somebody else instead of saying a quid pro quo kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you know what's really interesting, um, and you're spot on, absolutely. And it's it's it, that feeling is euphoric inside you, right? Like you want to keep it as heightened as possible. And I think what the word is, if we're looking for a word, I think it's fulfillment. There there is a sense of fulfillment from being of service to other people. Like you feel good about yourself, right? I was um doing some research about the other day about um what ordinary human awareness is and what higher human awareness is and and how human beings some human beings on the planet are at both levels right to try and understand what is higher human awareness is um, and you look at something like gratitude right like being grateful for all the all the good stuff and even sometimes the bad stuff right so you kind of look at ordinary human awareness is about taking off in a plane and being in the air and then landing safely on the tarmac and then you saying or me saying, oh, I'm so happy the plane landed and it didn't fall out of the sky. I've got gratitude for that. Higher human awareness and the great spiritual masters and mystics of the last two to 3,000 years have been postulating, you know, from Buddha to Gandhi to Christ, they've all been saying the same thing, which is gratitude is all about the whole view of life. It's not just about <clears throat> the good stuff. So, so again, you know, the mystic would hop on that plane, go up in the air, have a lot of turbulence and have a lot of moments where this thing could fall out of the sky, land safely on the tarmac, and instead of him saying, well, thanks for landing safely, he'd be saying, or she'd be saying, thank you for the whole experience. Thank you for the moments where this thing would almost, because I even get to experience that. Like I even got, I even get to, and that's a great way to look at it. Like if you keep saying, and I even get to experience that rain on a wedding day, and I even get to experience healing from cancer, I even get to, and I think it's a really nice way to look at life because um, when you're somewhat grateful for your challenges and you end up knowing that's where growth comes from, um, you're not just looking for the sweet moments in life. You're looking for the moments that, um, well, you're open to almost all moments because you know that there's something there to to help you grow and understand something deeper. So I've been trying to get from ordinary human awareness to higher human awareness, and it is an absolute struggle, especially when it, you're in the middle of your pain and you're in the middle of some some great challenge that you kind of go, I'm not going to get out of this or, or financial, you know, you've lost all your money and you're like, how is it? I'm not going to make this back. Like there's this, there's this sense of life sucks. And when you're in that moment, how do you turn the ship around and go, okay, you know, I'm still alive. You look at the things that you've still got going on that are okay. And then be grateful for everything. Be grateful for the, 
you know, for every, all of it, not just for the good. So it's, it's an amazing experience to try and, like, try and, try and do this next time you're in a situation where you think life sucks. Just try your best to go, and I even get to experience this. Yeah, you, you, you interrupt the pattern of, uh, of thought as well, even, yeah. even by asking that question of yourself. And in business, for instance, they, they, they talk about failure, right? So you fail to succeed. So you're not, you, don't, you don't sit in your failure. You learn from those experiences and don't replicate them over and over. And in life, even like I, there, there's a lot of ups and downs. I, I just came from a meeting of somebody who's, uh, whose kid has uh, brain cancer. And uh, I mean, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. How do you, how do you like, what do you, yeah. What do you, how do you be grateful for that? And it's, yeah, you know like, yeah, yeah go, go on. Sorry. Go no, on. no, 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 please. Barry, go, go ahead. I was just going to say just quickly, I had a scenario the other day where a family member died, not a family member, a coach, someone that I coached, their family member died from COVID. And they were really in the pit of despair, right? Really, really bad. Um, and we were trying to understand them. You know, we were going through the emotions of, of anger and frustration. And, 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 you know, that's normal because you miss that person and you love that person, right? And then, um, we got to the end of our session and, you know, I just said something that just came to me, which is, you know, I just kind of put myself in his shoes and I said, you know what, if I was in your position, I'd be so humbled and grateful for the people that I still have left. Um, and I would I would seriously treat them a little bit with more respect and more love and more closeness. And um, he looked at me and his eyes were full of tears and he goes, I'm going to do just that. I, I now, you know, sometimes, Len, I think the human being has to go through tragedy to understand that there is good. And if we just coast through life with, you know, minor ups and downs, um, we don't really appreciate the fragility of life. And, and until we appreciate how fragile it is and that our life can be snuffed out at any minute, I'll just quickly tell you, I wrote my first book at a cemetery like I got the inspiration at a graveyard, right, because I went amongst the stones and you read that when people were born and when people died, right, and you think that people die in their 80s and 90s, you know, but you don't. You look around you and people were died in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, like the whole spectrum. And, and then it, and you realise that you don't know, no one knows when they're going to go. Like no one. We hope that we wake up tomorrow sort of thing, right? So doesn't isn't that a motivator enough to be able to go, if there's something within me that I need to bring out and show the world, if there's, if there's a talent within me, if there's a gift within me, and I don't know how long I've got left, it's like having an unknown amount of money in the bank and spending a dollar every day, and you don't know how much you've got in the bank. You don't know if you've got $100. You don't know if you've got $5, but you are, you are involuntarily spending a dollar every day because time keeps going forward. So you're in a situation where you go, is there something that is inside me that I want to I want to say the I love yous and I want to say the I forgive yous and I want to say the do you want to go into partnership with me and start this business or help people? Like don't shy, if you're listening, don't shy away from that moment. Like you might get inspired by listening to Len and I today and take that, take that inspiration, use it as fuel and 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 you know, make it action, like actionable into what you want to do. And 
and this is what I keep saying to my audiences here in Sydney, Australia, you know, there are very, very few people that might inspire you. And if you're in that moment where you're inspired, like that is the time when the iron is hot enough that you can strike it and you can you can make something amazing happen and bring that, bring that whatever you've got inside, that talent, that gift, that inspiration, that experiences that you want to show and, and live to others, bring that out inside you. Like this is your time and this is your mandate to do that as a human being. That is your mandate, to inspire yourself and to inspire the world around you to live in a, the most beautiful way possible. And um, I, I don't see that very often. I see people that are very, very down and, and, and depressed about, you know, who they are and the failures that they've had. And like you said, Len, failures are not something to sit and waller in, man. There's something to just go, right, is there a lesson? Is there a lesson? What is the lesson? Let me pick it up. And then start more intelligently, start with more wisdom again. And then you'll make less mistakes and then less problems. And then and then you'll you'll I promise you, you will love yourself more and more every time you get up and start again. And you will be an inspiration to the people watching you. And there are people watching you. There are people watching you that you don't even know about. And they're watching the moves that you make. And they're asking, they're asking themselves a question, which is, could I do that as well as Len doing that? Because I can see Len's doing that, but could I do that? And the more you keep being brave, Len, and the more you keep showing courage, the more that they might just take that next step of inspiration. And that, if there was a meaning to life, <laughs> I think that would be coming pretty close. Yeah, I mean, so much that you said, I, <clears throat> I completely agree with you. Uh, yeah. The yeah. the the difficulty that some people have is neurochemicals. So what happens is, you and I are speaking right now. We're calm. Uh, we have normal neurochemicals that are being secreted into our, our brain. I, I feel motivation. Maybe I'm getting a little bit of dopamine by what you just said. It's mm. it's rewarding me. Mm. I want to do more of that. But all mm. of a sudden. I have something happen, something happened the other day. I have banking issues. All of a sudden, I'm starting to stress. When I start to stress, get some anxiety. Cortisol is being pumped into my bloodstream. It actually blocks my, my ability to rationally think. So now I'm in panic mode. So you, you have to have systems in place to be able to catch yourself when you're in that. You know, it's like, smack yourself or tap yourself or, you know, or, or, you know, Gratitude is a huge, huge way to be able to uh, to be able to change that on the fly. You know, you can't have these opposite thoughts at the same time. So if you're thinking that, and you can catch yourself in the moment saying, "Oh shit, I'm doing it again." That pattern. Just pause for a second, and then you yeah. say, "You know, my exercises. What are three things I'm grateful for in a moment right now? What can I do?" The sun is out. I woke up this morning. I'm healthy. All of a sudden, I just broke that pattern. But this is this is where because I see this all the time in a normal state of conversation. I feel mm. inspired. You go to uh, you know you go to a Barry talk. Barry's going to inspire you. And right now, I want to take action. But all of a sudden, uh, I'm driving home. A couple of days go by. I'm still inspired. Uh, then maybe a week goes by. I'm inspired, but maybe a little bit less. I'm starting to take some action. Maybe two weeks go by, and all of a sudden, I have a tragedy that happens somewhere in the vicinity of being. I get smacked in the face, 
Am I going to remember everything that I was taught? Am I going to remember how to break that pattern, how to interrupt it and go back mm-hmm. and change that? Absolutely. So having these tools, just like quick things like that, that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that um, we have to make the distinction between motivation and inspiration because motivation and inspiration and especially the the, 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 the tribes that I teach here in Australia, uh, motivation is externally driven. So it's an outside force wanting something for you, right? It could be a Tony Robbins. It could be you and I. It could be anyone, right? So someone's saying, you can do this, and then and then you feel that, in, that, that motivation within you and you try to go and do it. What inspiration is, is inspiration is usually an inside job. So inspiration is you getting an idea and then you taking that idea where it needs to go because it's come to you, that idea of healing or business or whatever it is, that idea has come to you. The, the idea of life is to use motivation to fuel inspiration consistently. So you've got this well inside you. So, yeah, when the tragedy strikes and, you know, it could be a financial strategy or a family member or whatever it is, you've co- almost um, compartmentalised a part of your mindset that is still fueling that inspiration, that is still hanging on to that, I can do this, I can be that, I can whatever, I can heal or whatever. Um, so you you don't let the tragedy overwhelm and take over the whole sphere of who you are as a person. I know that's easy for it to do because it's so emotionally impactful, whatever has happened. It's huge, right? But there is this still, do you have something that you need to do or show or say to the world that is very unique to you? Don't let the tragedy uh, overwhelm that. So I keep saying, you know, motivation is great. The problem with it is that you, you need it continually. It's almost like, you know, those little white blocks you put in a fireplace that we call them jiffies in Australia. They're little white little blocks that you light and they stay lit for 10 minutes to light the timber. Right. So those are motivation. They are, they are, they're just long enough for the timber to heat up and to provide the fireplace. You can't live your life on those little white blocks. You can't do that. So the idea is to get the timber hot and burning so your fire's red hot and raring to go, right? So for me, I've got a few of those in four corners of the fireplace and I light them and I make sure I put twigs and then larger pieces of timber on top. So all of a sudden, everything kind of... And when I I know when those little white blocks have gone, those little jiffies have gone, then the timber is hopefully lit. Um, so so it ends up being something very, very um, personal in that sense. So, yeah. Uh, so what's your new book about, just so for the sake of time? Um, so Move the Mountain is about taking personal mindset blocks and finding ways through those blocks um, as a transitional process. Um, and also I've looked at the four biggest religions in the world and I found that gratitude is its common theme. Like there's a commonality between Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity and Islam. And those four religions represent 80% of the world's population, right? And gratitude runs through each of the texts of those, of those four religions. So I always try to find common ground. For, for conflict, for people to come together and go, okay, can we start from a base of gratitude? Can we all agree on that? Mm-hmm. And yes, everyone can. So all of a sudden you can build framework on a conversation because you've started with a concrete base sort of thing. So it ends up being something cool. So it comes out in November. The press release will come out probably in about six to eight weeks. But, yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. Are you going to be doing a book tour and everything else? In Australia, yes. Australia. Um, and it's going to be launched on Amazon as well. So it'll be a, it'll be available on Amazon as well. So it'll be wow. pretty cool. 
congratulations. Uh, uh, there's a I want I want to ask before before I let you uh, yeah, go and yeah. I, I know you have to run. Uh, where can people find out more about you? Where can they contact you? Where they can get the book? Absolutely. How they get in touch with you? So LinkedIn will be the best place to get me. So just type Barry Nicolau, um, N-I-C-O-L-A-O-U, um, Barry Nicolau into LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm usually on those two platforms or just go to barrynicolau.com, just my name, um, and you'll see everything about me and what I'm up to. And you'll see the new book um, as the landing page. So it's pretty cool. All right. Last thing I wanted to ask, uh, are yeah. you, uh, I'm a big music guy. So I, <laughs> I can see Kiss in the lot. background. There's, there's Kiss, there's uh, all kinds of albums. Yeah. I'm a big vinyl yeah. guy. Is there a, do you remember the very first concert you ever went to? Uh, no. But I remember the last. All right. What's the last one you want to say? Leonard Cohen. Oh, really? Before he passed. It was years ago. Obviously. (laughs) I was going to say that's something really unique if you just went to see Leonard Cohen recently. (laughs) Yeah, it would be very unique. (laughs) No, Uh, I think Suzanne would have to be one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, Leonard Cohen's amazing. Is there anything that you're listening to uh, these days? Um, I noticed you're wearing a Wu-Tang shirt, so <laughs> I applaud you for that. Um, but no, lately, Mumford & Sons. You know, okay. Mumford, their <laughs> earlier stuff, their first yeah. album was the best. Yeah. With the banjo playing in the background. I'm loving it. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's interesting. British country music. It's uh, yeah. folky different. country. It's really different. Yeah. Uh, Barry, I know you got to go. Thank you so much Thank for being you, on. So much appreciate your time. And uh, uh, you. You know, the audience hopefully will reach out to you and good luck on your book. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for letting me um, inspire with you in this space, Len. It means, it means the world. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canna podcasters right here on Pod. Connex, and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.